Hello, my name is Stephen Wall, founder of The Wealth Mosaic, and today's Wealth Tech Spotlight podcast follows on from the recent release of our first US RIA Wealth Tech Landscape Report. I'm delighted today to be speaking with Eric Rocks, VP and MD and Global Head of Wealth at SS&C Technologies. In the next 20 to 30 minutes, I'll be speaking to Eric on how technology enables US RIAs to expand their business, enhance their client relationships, and how that plays out in today's dynamic market across advisors, vendors, and customers. Eric, thank you for joining us. Very nice to have you here with us today. Stephen, really nice to be here. Super. Um, before we get into to the conversation um, about you know the RIA market in the US and your perspective, particular perspective on it. Can you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself, your role, um, and, and, and what that encompasses? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I've been here at, at SS&C, well, we were acquired by SS&C in 2005, but this is uh, my 30th year um, doing business with, uh, with the firm. And, you know, it's very interesting. You know, I've seen a lot of changes over the years. Um, my background is, uh, I'm actually a computer scientist. I have a degree in computer science and an accounting background as well. So I'm a always uh, um, <laughs> at odds with myself, I guess is a good way to put it. But you know, over the years, I've seen a lot of a lot of change in the marketplace. I've uh, been involved in the institutional side of the business, the wealth management side of the business, and really all aspects of it, everything from you know when a client meets with a customer, you know through all the great work that they do right to the end where they report for a customer. and and so it's been pr- pretty interesting, I'd say uh, is a, is the best way to put it. Fantastic. Well, I think we'll try and tap into some of that uh, lengthy experience in the conversation today and also that kind of technical background that you have, which should give us a nice perspective in terms of discussing the RIA marketplace. So if we just get into the question, so what kind of perspective can you give us from the outset or, or to start off the conversation on the US RIA market and its relationship with technology or fintech or wealth tech or whatever term we should choose to use for basing that conversation. Sure. You know, I think, you know, if you if you think back, and I, as I you know, premised there a little bit earlier, is so many changes have taken place over the years. You know, it's become quite a different place. And, and today, you know, if you are in the wealth management te- wealth management space and you're managing either, uh, you know, a really big book or a really, really small book, you know, you have to have uh, great technology. So is it, it's never been more important to have great technology as it is today. You know, what I see happening in, in the marketplace and what I see from, from the clients that we're interacting with is, is a little bit of a bifurcation in the marketplace um, where you see, you know, the larger RIA firms getting bigger. They're really spending time to either acquire other firms or garner business or, or what, what have you to get more and more AUM uh, in, in, on their books, you know, finding new ways to, to drive alpha with that AUM. And, and really looking for efficiency in their operations and, and how they run their business. The other side of the marketplace is, is you know, just as interesting. A lot of the smaller firms have you know, gone from you know, spending time to really just try to acquire new, new business to become real specialty players and really becoming world leaders uh, in the marketplace. You know, whether they're doing you know, ESG investing or they're you know, doing alternatives investing or, or what have you, they're, they're specialty, I'd say, I don't want to say niche, but they are kind of niche players that have become you know, specialists in, in their field. So you see, this, you see this sort of bifurcation in the marketplace. I think the middle is kind of getting, getting eaten up. And you know, what you're seeing is there's commonality um, between the upper and the lower end of the marketplace in terms of you know, what the needs are. You know, operational efficiency is certainly one of the things I mentioned earlier that's really, really key for firms. 
um, focusing on wealth transfer. You know, a lot of the wealth that was, you know, put into programs and into businesses or into our, our client businesses over the years, you know, that's transferring. You know, people are, are getting older and they're transferring it to the next generation. So, you know, figuring out ways to you know, retain that asset, um, to retain that business, um, to keep, you know, at the leading edge and the forefront of technology. You know, today, you know, my kids who are in their 20s, you know, digital is everything. You know, they, they do everything on their phone. They're not, you know, walking into an advisor shop to, to go chat with a portfolio manager or the advisor. They're, you know, they're looking on their phone to see what they could do. And so having that digital everything, you know, is really, really key. The ability for, you know, for those, for that generation to, to do on-demand and self-service and mobile, um, you know, is, is, is a differentiator in the marketplace. And, and that is not different between, you know, a niche player and, and you know, a large wirehouse, you know. Um, I think that today's consumer community really wants to see every aspect um, in digital, and, and they want to see that ease of use, you know, very, very straightforward way of getting to, you know, the information on, on their investments. And, you know, when I, when I take a look at that, you know, never has technology been more important in the marketplace. You know, years and years ago, you could have a, a black box technology solution and no one ever saw it. And that was pretty cool. You know, everyone did their work in the back office and did their, did their bits. Um, but it wasn't as important to have a great user experience or have really, really efficient technology. A lot of stuff was batch-based and so forth. And so it didn't really, didn't really matter. So, you know, what I do see today, technology is at the forefront. It has to be. And if you have the right solution, it makes your business, your life way easier. Completely agree. Um, and you had some really nice little key words in there. That, and, you know, technology has indeed never been more important in this sector, given some of the things you mentioned. So when you look a little bit more into more detail about the market dynamics and how they drive sort of fintech demands in wealth management, you've mentioned big and small firms, but in general, um, or, or maybe going into more detail, what can you tell us about how it does drive demand from wealth firms? Well, you know, I think there's a couple of different, you know, aspects to take a look at. And, and there's definitely different businesses that I'm aware of that our clients are are involved in. So, you know, there there is a, you know, we, we, we use a short form D2B, uh, direct to business. So that's where, you know, for example, our customers are selling to other, other business customers, not selling to individuals. And there is the other concept of D2C or direct to consumer. And, you know, at the end of the day, those, those two aspects, you know, really are things that um, drive, drive business, whether it's direct to business or direct to consumer, you, everyone needs to have a client to, to sell to. So, you know, figuring out ways to leverage, you know, that value, that, that, you know, that customer value across the, across those, those channels is really, really important. You know, at, at the end of the day, if you take a look at a small, a smaller shop, right. And you take a look at say that, I mean, even, even in the, in the wirehouses actually, but if you take a look at the industry, the direct consumer business is, is sort of the key, the key thing. So if you're looking at, you know, what is the value you can provide to the end consumer? How can you make them you know, want to do business with you or stay with you for that matter? You know, what is the best way to, you know, to adapt your business so that it can can fulfill the needs of the of the end consumer? Well, you know, a lot of those things come down to, you know, how efficient your operations can be in order to be able to provide those things. Um, you know, quite often there's a lot of great ideas out there. You know, it's like, hey, I wish, you know, you know, it was pink and it could fly, for example. Um, those are, you know, you know, sometimes there's really great ideas, but they're impossible to to actually implement. But you know, with the right technology platforms, you you can do so. So, 
in the direct to consumer world that we were just talking about, you know, having the ability to create, you know, sort of bespoke services for a consumer on in an on mass type environment, so that everyone feels, you know, special and they feel like they're getting the value that they're paying in fees to the RA is, is super important. An example of that could be customized um, end client reporting, right? So that you're not getting, you know, basic custody statement. You're you're getting a statement that says, "Hello, Mr. or Mr. Smith. You know, glad to hear you had a great vacation in in Florida this year. Um, here's a, here's a little, you know, rundown of your investments, and this is what it looks like. This is, you know, your percentage growth. This is, you know, where we think there's there's opportunity in your in your portfolio. And being able to do that on mass is is really something quite special. So that's something that you know, really makes a very, very nice um, story for the consumer. And if you look at it, you know, from a business model perspective, in the direct-to-consumer marketplace, you've really cut out the middleman. You've gotten rid of the person that you're going to pay, you're picking to pay in the middle, and you're efficiently selling and you're efficiently servicing the consumer directly. Um, and you don't have to deal with, you know, you know, paying a middleman, a wholesaler, or whatever it happens to be. You have the efficiency and the capability um, to to deal directly with the end consumer, scale and that's really important. Comes through efficiency, and if you have that efficiency, you can do it. If you look on the direct to business side, you know how do you garner you know that next you know the next RAA or the next RAA group, for example. <clears throat> Excuse me, and you know how can you get get more business in your door on mass? Like you know sign up an entire new firm to you know, do work with your firm and to do business together. And you know, to me, a lot of that comes down to being able to provide innovative solutions in the marketplace. So, what can you do that provides something that's you know very, very special, very, very unique to your business? Um, something that differentiates you in the marketplace, so that you're not just dealing with you know your a me too type uh, sales cycle. So, if you're you know going out to the marketplace in a direct to business world, saying you know I can give you an all you know for example an alternative UMA. With exposure to you know n different funds, and you know we can do it really really efficiently for you for you know a low basis point model, um, and you, you can say to you know, to the prospect to the prospect business, hey, you can make you know you know y basis points on top of this because it's a great great model for you. You can provide that solution very very efficiently from the perspective of being able to give it to to, to the other business, and the other business has great benefit by being able to sell something new to their clients. So. You know, definitely the dynamics are, are quite a bit different today. So, you know, have that direct-to-consumer model where you can have that bespoke service and really do it very efficiently, or the direct-to-business model where you can say, hey, I can give you something brand new, very specialized, very, you know, differentiating for your firm, you know, I think really makes a big difference in terms of how our clients can actually, you know, spend time and, and uh, you know, grow their AUM and then spend that great AUM and work with that AUM to, to generate alpha for their clients. Taking this um, or looking at it another way um, or looking at it in a bit more detail, um, we've got small and large firms in the market. You've already touched on that a little bit. Um, does that mean that um, the sort of difference between them is, is simplicity versus complexity? Um, and, and a second element to that is, you know, is technology accessible for smaller firms now? Because, you know, historically it wasn't, but then we are in a changing world. <laughs> exactly true, Stephen. Um, you know, on the first, on the second point there, you know, is technology accessible? You know, absolutely. You know, the cost of technology has become, you know, let's say more relevant or more accessible for, for everybody. You know, it was, I remember 
uh, a few years ago, I was, uh, you, know, you know, to buy a cell phone, you know, it was, it was very big deal to have a cell phone, you know, and it just did calls backwards and forwards, right? And today we have these great smartphones and, you know, everyone has one and it's, it's really, it's really fantastic. But if you, if you take a look at, you know, the, the model, the actual model of the solution sets that are out there, you know, a lot in historically, a lot of solution sets were, were point solutions. You know, they, somebody would buy a, you know, accounting system, they may buy a separate, you know, uh, portfolio trading system, they may buy a separate performance system. And, and then again, you know, maybe a separate reporting system. And, you know, through, you know, setting up these type of platforms, you, you had to knit all this, you know, elements together and try to, you know, bring it all together so that, um, you know, it was, it was actually usable. But, you know, today, those, those days are kind of gone. Like, you don't have to, you know, buy, you know, 57 different, you know, disparate platforms in order to create a solution set. Um, what you can actually do is you can buy one platform. And if you have built that platform correctly or built that solution properly, um, you can have everything in, in one place so that you have, you know, lower total cost of ownership and you can provide much higher um, capabilities in terms of, you know, what your offerings are to the market, you know, for a rel relatively cheaper fee. And that's something that, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, focusing on in terms of, you know, where we can spend our time to make it easier to do business, um, you say with SS and C, but also easier to do business operating your your business on our platform, so that's much less overhead, and it's you know it's, it's also very efficient from a financial perspective. The other thing to think about is you know what's the cost of of not doing that? You know what's the cost of not you know having new technologies or advanced advanced platforms and, and so forth? You know for the RIA, you're missing out on a ton of uh, market opportunity. If you're not offering to your clients, you know, you know the best and the brightest and the and the most capable solution sets um, that that you can, then what's happening is you are, you know, falling behind the competition. And you know somebody else is going to build the better mousetrap, and they're going to be able to 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 pitch that to maybe your clients and win them over because they have something that's new and exciting. So you always got to stay at the at the at the top of the curve. I'd say is is a good is a good point. I fully agree. Again, I mean, staying at the top of the curve in this market is important because tech, as you said, is kind of all encompassing, changing client demographics and other elements mean that if you don't do it, then at some point you will be falling behind. There's, however, I mean, I, one thing I would say is however simple the market is now compared to maybe where it was, there's so much still to 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 take in or take on board in terms of, I suppose, technology strategy and decision making. But um, what other elements I think would you would you sort of touch upon that are relevant for RIAs to consider in terms of what they want from technology and what they can get from it? What should they could what should they be considering? Well, there's I think there's quite a few factors that um, the today's RA firm should be considering. You know, one is um, you want to future-proof your your operations and your business, so you want to have that utmost flexibility. Um, so that if you let's say that you're a you know you're a, a retail RIA and you know you specialize in you know domestic equity, for example, you, you know there could be a case where somebody says, hey, could could you run my pension plan or could you run this institutional business? Uh, hey, I, I have a fixed income book I want to bring onto your onto onto your uh, management style, and I you know how can we bring all these things together? So having having that flexibility not only in say in asset classes but also in in program types, you know, not just uh, having SMAs, but you know you should be able to to provide UMAs or uh, unified managed accounts or UMHs, unified managed households or or you know whatever variant of those you want to you want to have in there. 
um, having the flexibility to handle unmanaged assets. So assets, you know, maybe you know somebody's Aunt Betty bequeathed them, you know, 100,000 shares of IBM, and they never ever want to sell them because that's a family heirloom for one reason or other. Um, you know, having the ability to to account for those things and have that flexible solution, so that when a client comes in and says, "Hey, can you do this for me?" You can say, "Yep, I can do that. I absolutely can totally do that." Um, we spoke a little bit earlier about you know bespoke sort of solution sets and being able to provide those things efficiently for your client base. I think that's super important because you know you know as, as an investor myself. Nothing turns me off more than sort of getting mass emails or mass mailings um, from from advisors that really don't talk talk to me directly. And I see that with our clients too. They want to have that you know those bespoke type of reporting and capabilities, whether it be digital capabilities or or or, or print re, print or other type of reporting capabilities. Scalability is a big thing. You know, uh, can your platform run a million accounts? Um, it should be able to. And if it can't run a million accounts, or if you can't, you know, scale to where you want to get to, then you should take a look at, you know, what's the technology behind it? You know, why is my vendor not able able to do that? And and you know, scalability isn't just about running a, a whole bunch of accounts. It's it's really about doing it efficiently. You know, a lot of platforms or a lot of systems and a lot of you know uh, capabilities out there. They can run a lot of accounts, but it's you know it takes uh, you know you have to move uh, heaven and earth in order to do so. Um, having a platform that scales elastically is a, is a term that we use in technology. You know something that's really really important, so that your your platform can scale as as you do, and you, that gives you that operational efficiency. That gives you the capability to not have to change systems when your business grows. And then you know you got to look at complexity overall. You know the world is is um, not a simpler place. You know we have a lot of regulatory requirements. You know depending what jurisdiction in, you have a lot of tax requirements. Um, And understanding you know what's going to drive your customer base. Maybe it's after tax performance, or maybe it's you know MIFID, or maybe it's you know different types of reporting, um, or or different types of accredit accreditations. You know in terms of you know how you're doing your performance reporting, for example. Um, so any of those things, you know, that that really drive your overall business, or you know, to me, are, are really important. Um, and it's definitely something you know. Think about you from as I said from the beginning. Think about future proofing your business and and how you can pick platforms and solutions that are actually going to make your your life better. I think the other part is, you know, last thing I'd mentioned on that is is you, who's your provider? You know, who are you getting your solution from? Do they have the scale? Do they have the capability? To do what your business needs, um, you know, one of the things that you know, I've always found working here at SSNC that's fantastic is that we've got a broad, broad reach. You know, whether you're in alternatives or hedge or real estate or you know, or, or straight wealth management or whatever it happens to be, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, I'd like to understand a little bit more about alter- alternatives management," um, I can connect them with the right person within our firm, and they can get you know some great advice and really learn more about the marketplace with the same vendor. And, you know, we all come from the same, we're all kind of cut from the same cloth. So it's definitely, a, you know, a very familiar feeling. There's obviously a huge amount to consider. And um, obviously SSNC has a very broad approach. Um, if you think of some of the things that, you know, in these complex businesses and these evolving businesses that are relevant now, we can talk about cloud and data and managed services and hybrid models and automation. I mean, are these real for RIAs? Are these issues that they should be looking at, considering, moving upon? You know, I think I think so, Stephen. And I I, I say that because you know everyone's biological very differently. But 
today, I think, you know, looking forward, if you look forward and you say, what's coming down the pipe and, and you know, where's, where's the world going? You know, automation can really drive cost savings. You know, things like artificial intelligence, you know, where platforms are learning, uh, you know, how, uh, how you do your business. You know, we just purchased uh, Blue Prism, which is an RPA uh, in the UK. That's a great example. Um, natural language processing is something that we see quite a bit of now. So, you know, being able to interact with your system is like, you know, what is Stephen's uh, assets under uh, assets on the platform in you know, Brazilian Brazilian equities today? And the system will come back and tell you, hey, what's what's your uh, what's your holdings in, in that um, that class? Um, those are things that you know really change how a firm or or how individuals can interact with with a platform, and it makes it more and more efficient. So you're you know you're spending your time really focusing on running your business as opposed to running a system. And, and that's to me is, you know, the, the, you know, the core of reducing your total cost of ownership. You know, you think about it, you know, years ago when you had, you know, somebody come in to, to learn a platform, you maybe you hired somebody, they'd come in the door, you know, first day, maybe they'd been out of, out of school for a bit. Um, they come in, they sit them down in front of the, in front of a system and you give them like four binders of manuals and they say, here, go, go for it. And they, they try to figure it out. It, it takes, takes time and, and effort and it's, it's complicated. And, and today, if you can sit down at, at a com- contemporary system and maybe a chat bot comes up and you ask that question that I asked, you know, how much does Stephen have in Brazilian equities? And all of a sudden the answer comes back. I mean, you think about the, the gains of efficiency and in training and, and all those sort of things that really makes a big difference. Well, I can tell you, you wouldn't need too much RPA to work out how much I have in Brazilian equities. Um, but, um, <laughs> um, given um, all of this, you know, this change, this complexity, this dynamic of technology, some fantastic things that are going on, huge development in terms of capabilities and access to that. How is that really impacting advisors and, and, and vendors and, and customers? Can you, can you talk a little bit to what it actually means to them, what they can benefit, ROI, all of those elements? Sure. You know, I think I think from, let's, let's start off with the advisor perspective. So, you know, from the advisor perspective, there's an opportunity uh, to, to really drive an ROI so that you're, you're spending your money uh, efficiently, you are potentially lowering your, your TCO or your total cost of ownership of your, your platforms and your operations. And so there's an opportunity for the advisor to get more benefit for the money they're sending out the door to run the platforms that drive their business. And then the flip side of that is garnering more business because you can provide better and uh, faster, cheaper, smarter platforms, I guess is a good way to put it. You know, from the vendor perspective, if you think about it that from from you know our perspective, it's cost. There there is a cost to putting this 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 type of infrastructure in place. We have to undertake you know years of development. Um, very very we have to hire very very specialized uh, individuals in a very very tight marketplace around the world. Um, but the opportunity is that we can write and deploy and create platforms faster than we've ever been able to do before. And that's something that's you know, very exciting. And I remember the first, you know, few platforms I brought to market, it took forever to get them out the door. And when they went out the door, you know, there was, there was quality that you had to work through quality issues that you had to work through. And it took time, you know, to be, to be completely honest. Today's platforms, we can develop them quicker. We can get better testing in place and the quality is much higher going out the door. So I think that's a, it's a great benefit for us. It reduces what we would call a rework. And from the customer perspective, you know, it's, it's kind of like opening, opening a window. They can get 
access to their data very, very easily. You know, it's like a breath of fresh air. Um, they get access to the data very easily. They can get a very, very um, bespoke services that, that are um, enduring for them that they can keep and they can, it provides, you know, a great connection to their advisor, but it also gives them so much flexibility. You know, it can be you know, mobile, you know, trading, mobile chat with the advisor. You know, there's so many different capabilities um, that the customer gets from it. So, you know, at the end of the day, although it costs some money to get there, um, you know, what I see is for the advisors and for us, the vendors and for the customers is definitely a huge benefit. One thing, um, looking at the, the vendor market, the solution provider marketplace, and obviously it's one of the reasons why the Wealth Mosaic has kind of set itself up as this sort of solution provider directory based model, but um, there's confusion out there. Um, you know, I wonder in terms of RIA selecting platforms, how easy it is, um, you know, what kind of vendor can they pick in terms of covering off their key capabilities you know are all vendors the same is there a kind of you know what sort of approach i suppose ultimately does an ria have to take in terms of well i have these needs and therefore i need to select this type of platform and, and what kind of things should i be looking out for well Stephen, a lot of it comes down to to personal preference different you know firms will approach the marketplace in, in different ways um you know there are a lot of specialty platforms out there um, and they create specialty solutions for components of the marketplace. And, and, and they, I'm sure they do a great job. They, they will uh, fit the bill for what they do. And they're very, 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 very good at their, their component of the marketplace. I think when I look at the market and, and where we see, you know, definitely take up for SS&C products and services are when firms um, have worked with a smaller vendor or, or with a niche vendor, and they're looking for an encompassing solution. So they're looking for that encompassing solution because you know maybe their volume has grown or maybe their um, you know where they're spending their time investing has changed or they need to think about you know transition you know we've we, you know, we've had cases where for example a firm you know the founder has decided to to retire or to to split the company or whatever it happens to be and um, you know the 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 company is now looking saying hey we don't want to ever want to go through you know a, a upheaval like this who can we work with you know, that will work with us, you know, for, you know, for decades to come and, you know, how can we, you know, create and find a vendor that has a very, very, you know, comprehensive, very future forward type solution set. So that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a really important point for, you know, from our perspective. Um, I'd say that the other part, you know, when you're looking at, at a vendor is, you know, taking a look for experience. You know, there are, there are some great vendors out there that have experience in, in, the, in their portion of the marketplace and, and, um, when you look at an RA that maybe, you know, they're going to maybe expand their business or they're thinking about other opportunities in the marketplace, you know, I gave you the example, you know, uh, earlier the, in the discussion today, that you know, maybe you're just a domestic fixed income or domestic equity uh, investor um, or RA, sorry, that, you know, maybe finding something that separates, um, finding a firm that separates themselves from other firms because they have that broad knowledge base. I think those are really, really important things to consider. That allows the RIA to really respond, you know, appropriately to you know, market challenges and opportunities and, and things that are happening uh, in the marketplace without having to go out and you know find a brand new you know solution to their you know their platform uh, requirements. Thank you, Eric. Much appreciated for that. Um, well, um, really interesting topic and clearly a lot um, to focus on. Think about. Um, 
quickly, can you give us a little bit of a view from from SS and C, and um, you know, sort of what's going on for you? Um, why people in the RAA space should uh, should listen, should, should take note of SS and C, and maybe talk a little bit about um, the Global Wealth Platform? Absolutely. You know, I'd say looking at SS and C when you look at us, you know, with our Global Wealth Platform. Uh, we have a we have a re revision technology called Aloha, which is the next generation of of our global wealth platform, and other platforms. Um, you know, one of the things that we have is is we always think about everything in an institutional strength perspective. You know, we want to build systems that you can use. You know, if you're an RIA managing, you know, you know, a, a family's uh, wealth, or if you're an RIA that has some pension or maybe gets some Taft Hartley or you know whatever it happens to be. Um, type of type of assets. We want to provide flexible solutions, you know, that need, meets the needs of very complicated and very very savvy investors and RIAs, and that you can run, you know, a ton of volume through them. You can run a million accounts through our systems, and and that it, it will take it. And you can run, you know, a hundred accounts through it, and you will you won't have the overhead of of high operations. So it's something that's very very important. I think the other point I'd like to mention is, is front to back. You know, we really strive to do everything for an RIA from the point when they meet with a customer through all the modeling and trading and, you know, onboarding and portfolio accounting and so forth and, and performance and attribution, you name it, uh, right out through reporting and digital experience. We want to be a all-in-one front to back platform, really a plug and play capability that we can fit within a client's ecosystem and really support the full market range of the small and large RAs in the, in the marketplace today. Eric, thank you. Much appreciated. Um, well, thank you for sharing your insights from SS&C's perspective and uh, for insights and your knowledge base into the US RAA market. And thank you again for participating and contributing to our first report on the US RAA technology landscape. Much appreciated. And thank you for joining us today. Stephen, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Eric.